Welcome to Diversity Conversations, where we engage in thought-provoking dialogue to identify leadership solutions to today's most challenging conflicts. Stream live each week, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., hosted by diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist and CEOs Eric Ellis and Tommy Lewis. Join us and add your voice to this engaging diversity conversation. Good morning, Greater Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, the United States, and the world. My name is Eric Ellis. I'm the president and CEO of Integrity Development Corporation, and I'm joined this morning by my good friend, Ambra. Tommy Lewis, president and CEO of Make It Plain Consulting. Good morning, Eric Ellis. Good morning, Tommy Lewis. How are you, my friend? Well, beautiful morning again, Eric. Uh, excited to talk with you as always in our community uh, and even our special guest for today. But it's a great morning and and uh, getting ready for just a football weekend once again. Uh, it's good to good to relax, just enjoy family and get some uh, get some needed rest as well. Right. Absolutely, man. Same thing here. Had a great uh, week. Uh, have uh, uh, sort of. Uh, said goodbye to my staff for the next two weeks yes. uh, because they're going on vacations. And I really uh, believe that uh, the people that work uh, with us and for us ought to have set the same freedoms and flexibilities that we have. And so I'm just grateful that they'll have time to go on vacations and recharge their batteries. I just think that that's so, uh, so important. How was your week, Tom? Week was good. Uh, once again, another productive week. Uh, it was a heavy lifting week, Eric, as we were preparing for our two weeks away as well. Okay. Kind of button up a lot of, you know, administrative work and preparing for some January assignments and projects. Uh, and so we were, it was all coming together. I just threw the flag in and said, hey, we'll just, you know, we'll finish what we can. We'll get back next next year. Uh, enjoy the holiday. That's what That's we want. That's how this is, man. You can only do so much. And we are always pushing that envelope. Uh, this week was an exciting week for me. Had a chance to uh, sort of wrap up our core council orientation for uh, the council there at Louisville Water. Uh, powerful session. Uh, every time we come together, man, those sessions have been really emotional. Uh, you know, people just really crying. And, uh, you know, as I gave them their certificates, I mean, giving out certificates, uh, the uh, executive leadership team was there. And I had people go around and sort of talk about insights gained and, you know, ahas, that kind of thing. And so many of them were talking about how life changing the orientation has been. Uh, one woman said, I wasn't at the last session. I heard how emotional it was. She says, but I, you know, she's I've been an introvert all my life and feel like I've been overlooked and left out so often. But here I feel seen and I feel like I'm a part of a family. She started tearing up again, man, it was just really powerful. And I shared with them, I said, you know, this is the first time that I know of, uh, Tommy, that I've seen a CEO not just be the executive sponsor for a diversity council, but join in each meeting. And he's done that. And I, I just recalled for them that at the beginning, they were saying, wow, you know, I've heard so many negative things about the CEO that Maybe he's just a good liar because I don't see that when I talk to him. I said, well, no, no, he's not a good liar. And then over time, they began to really know him and know his heart. And one of the most powerful things uh, for me to witness, Tommy, was 
this group uh, be uh, started as 25 individuals come together as one team, one family. And when he went around the organization at their request, uh, sort of apologizing for a mistake the company had made a few years ago, but also laying the foundation for respect, man, you should have seen this core council. They were there like his army. I mean, they were like, if anybody says anything about the CEO, you know, I'm, I can't wait. You know, it's like, oh, I told him, I said, that was probably more powerful for me than even the words that he had to say, to see how you all began to galvanize behind your leader. And I think that's a lesson for leaders that sometimes you think it's us versus them and there's no way to get employees to see the true you. Well, if you invest in them and you spend time sitting with them, uh, in ways that they begin to know who you are, they will go to war for you because you're listening to their voice. So I was really grateful around that. We uh, have a new client, Public Citizens. We've been working with them for a little bit. We did the IDI with them. And so we reported out uh, their group results and we started doing some of the one-on-ones and just really grateful for the work of Public Citizen, uh, Tommy. They are all about trying to keep the government and corporations honest. Uh, making sure that they're doing the things that they're supposed to do. Uh, so they're all on top of this uh, January 6th commission and a lot of stuff that's happening with our former president. So I was just pleased that an organization that does so much sort of holding everybody else accountable, those organizations don't always, they're not always open to take a, a, a real look at themselves. And they are. And so I'm really grateful for that. Uh, And then the last thing I want to say, uh, Tommy, is I'd like to ask the community for your uh, input. I just received today in the mail a uh, $50,000 check from a former client, an older client, for which I don't recall working for. (laughs) So it's, it's the end of the year, community. It's the holiday season. Community, a lot of money's going out. What should I do with this fifty thousand dollars check as signed to Integrity Development? <laughs> I already know what to do. You know, I'm gonna call a client up and say, "Hey, you sent me a check." But Tommy, isn't that like holding on to a lottery ticket for somebody else? Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Eric. Yes, it is. You know, I, I know this wasn't me. Um, I know that this is something I. I had prayed for, wished for every right. now and then. Uh, and, this is a special and, windfall from heaven. Let me let me look to my left and look to my right, and uh, you know what? Is there any way I could justify <laughs> even the fifty k? <laughs> and at the same time, saying I stand on integrity. Right, that's it, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy, you know exactly where it is, yeah. and I know that those of you in the community are are much better than Tommy and I. You yeah. probably never even got, had a thought about, is there any way that this check could be mine? <laughs> We're just mere mortals. <laughs> mere mortals, mere mortals, man. Oh, Be- beautiful fun. story, Eric, and, right. and congratulations, uh, not only on this uh, this test on integrity, faith, and, and purpose, uh, but also with your client and allowing uh, your client's employees to develop that sense of belonging and express their passion and their wholeness, uh, even with the leader in the room, right? And that's all we ask many times. That's part of our growth. That's part of our healing is to have that sense of belonging, 
We want to be a, a, be in that sense of oneness and direction. So thank you, Eric Ellis and Integrity Development for helping folks along this journey toward togetherness. Well, Tommy, as you know, man, it's a blessing. And the work that we do uh, provides oftentimes, most times, more value back to us than we may even believe that we are delivering to others. Uh, I also had a chance in that same session, uh, Tommy, to apologize to one of the council members uh, for uh, an oversight uh, that I had heard about that I had done. And sometimes, Tommy, I think that we have to take it upon ourselves to humble ourselves in front of learners to show, to model what is the right behavior, what's the right action to take when you, when you make a mistake. Whether that was one that was intended or unintended, uh, sometimes even if you uh, may not have even done uh, the wrong, uh, an apology is a part of leadership. It is uh, what we owe the world uh, in order to be in positions of leadership. That means you have to. And Tommy, I don't always love it, man. I got to be honest. Uh, but I know it's right. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that God has allowed me the, the awareness, the insight uh, that that's the right action to take. Uh, because we've seen what happens when leaders aren't willing to genuinely say I'm sorry for an offense that I, and this was a legitimate offense. This, this is not a perceived thing. This was a, 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 mis, a misstep. Yeah. You know, I was talking to some people and this person was there and I didn't bring that person into the conversation. I saw it when that person left. Sometimes, Tommy, you know, man, you get so caught up in the message that you're trying to deliver to people that you miss welcoming the uh, entire community into that conversation. So. Well, we've got some wonderful guests here from uh, Healing Through uh, the Sound of Music, and we're going to bring them uh, to our uh, stage, if you will, to bring them on set. And you all may have to hug each other, sit a little closer, or, or <laughs> get one in front of the other just a all little right. bit. Right, right. There we go. There we go. Now we can see you well. Now we can see you well now. And uh, we are so grateful to have both of you uh, join us today. And awesome. talk about the wonderful work that you are doing. Jehute, you and I know each other from Cincinnati and just sort of uh, being able to uh, connect on social media as well. I've been uh, familiar with your brilliance and some of your work. Uh, Zuri, I have uh, seen now some of the work that you have done. And oh, my goodness, amazing, amazing, amazing. And so why don't you all uh, start off by just telling us who you are. We'll start there. And then we'll uh, uh, want to learn more about the work that you're doing together. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am Jehuti Sehotep, and I am the business development director, co-founder of Healing Through the Sound of Music and the executive producer of the Fannie Lou Hamer story, of which my wonderful wife and queen, Mzuri Moyo-Mbaye, is the founder of the nonprofit Healing Through the Sound of Music and a multi-award winning playwright, Black Tony Award winning playwright, actress, internationally acclaimed singer of the Fannie Lou Hamer story. And um, the nonprofit is defined as an institutional legacy, social impact, music and theater performing arts company 
are and that that commemorates black women for their social and political impact on this nation and abroad and the featured production is of course the Fannie Lou Hamer story and so with that I'll let Missouri speak her part in this and uh, and her introduction. My name is Missouri Moyo Mbaye. I was born Lorraine Teresa Pope. I changed my name. Uh, after living in Europe, um, I met a, a young man who was in the music business and he was from Uganda. And um, we formed a brother-sister relationship. And he said to me, you are not Lorraine, you are Mzuri. <laughs> so, that's been a while ago, a long time ago. Mzuri, and I said, yeah. okay, so I changed my name to Mzuri, but I didn't have another name. So a friend of mine, Mtimbezi, John Ennis, who's now singing with the angels, you know, he says, Mzuri, uh, uh, how about Moyo? Moyo, you know, it means beautiful. Mzuri Moyo. And then I came back to him again and said, okay, I need another name. So he said, Mbaye, that sings, and beautiful heart that sings. So mm. that's the meaning of my name, Mzuri Moyo Mbaye. Mm. And I wrote the Fannie Lou Hamer story actually after seeing Mrs. Hamer on Like It Is, which yeah. was a television show. If you're from New York, you might've heard of it, but he wasn't syndicated. So a lot of people don't know about Gil Noble. He had the most amazing um, talk show and he had revolutionaries on there. And that's how a lot of us were exposed to the people like Fannie Lou Hamer. And I heard her on there and, and quite, you know, uh, well, actually Fannie Lou Hamer had already transitioned when I saw it. Mm. And I couldn't believe that I did not know who she was, never heard of her. And I, in that moment, I said, I have to do something in honor of this woman. And at the time I was a nurse and um, believe it or not, I started hearing, after I started doing research on her at the Schomburg in New York, which you may be familiar with. You must be a New Yorker. I see you nodding your head a lot. So, so, I'm, I, so I'm not a New Yorker. My father, uh, I'm sorry, my mother's family from Brooklyn, you know, from her thirties and forties, but I'm an Egyptologist and I have multiple degrees in Africana studies. So okay. everything that you're saying is what I've been studying for 30 years. So, I'm excited. so you had to go to the Schomburg then, yes, right? Yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the Schomburg and I'd started researching Mrs. Hamer. And oh my goodness, not long after that, I started hearing lines from the play in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding, poetry. Right. And I started, I didn't have a computer and um, I was just going from, I, I did not want, I wanted to be a singer and an actress. Mm -hmm. So I would do my little private duty, make a little money here. And then I'd be out of work, you know, in between typing, you know, the, the manuscript. And um, a friend of mine said, I'd like for you to take my place at a school where they were selling school furniture. And there was a man there by the name of Steve Hollis. And so he came over to my table. I was sitting in for a friend. He said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm writing a play on Fannie Lou Hamer, but I don't have a computer. He said, you got it. <laughs> he bought me a computer. Wow. And, and, and uh, so anyway, I took that. I started, I didn't even know much about a computer then. That was back in 19, that was it, 2000? Wow. Mm -hmm. And or 1999, 98, something like that. Anyway, I started writing slowly the, the script and 
you know, okay, two years later, I won the Adelco. So here you are, here I am now, still 20 years later doing the play on Fannie Lou Hamer. And so what were you saying? Yeah, no, it's the same. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. it's been an exciting journey. In the meantime, I met Jehudi in 2013 when, uh, so when um, we, um, you know, started talking and he became a part of the company and it's been really an expansion and explosion of love and learning and it's been an incredible journey. So, so remind, remind us one more time, where's the company physically located? Right, right now we're in Florida. We live in um, um, 20 minutes north of Orlando. Okay. okay, awesome. Well, first of all, let me start by saying that you all have such beautiful energy together. Thank and uh, I just uh, believe that what you are doing is so powerfully needed. Uh, and uh, it's something that is so overlooked, uh, the power of black female leadership and what that means to our communities, to our society. And so I'm just right now, uh, uh, wishing you all the greatest success that can be achieved. And I'm looking forward to uh, things that we'll be able to do together as well. This morning, uh, Jehute, I said I sent you all a bunch of music that I've written that may be things that you all can use. I also forwarded uh, your backgrounds to the CEO for the Americans for the Arts this morning. And I invited him to try to tune in if he can, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that he had y'all's background. I thought that you all would be a great, uh, there'd be a great connection there. He's a retired brigadier general uh, from the military. And what brought him into the arts was seeing so many soldiers that uh, were dealing with uh, PTSD, you know, and, yeah. and unwilling to sometimes seek out the counseling and so they found that music therapy was the thing mm -hmm. that they were able to get connected to. So then that connected him to Americans for the Arts. So now you've got an African-American CEO who's leading Americans for the Arts and trying to lead them through this uh, uh, transformational, uh, transitional period of more inclusion. So expanding their focus to make sure that people that do what you do are found uh, and are uh, shared with the rest of the world. And so I look forward to the rest of our conversation. Tommy, let me uh, let you uh, uh, ask any questions or that you have. And that we'll oh, absolutely want to learn more about, about our guests as well. And so we, we're, we're talking about Fannie Lou Hamer. Can you, can you talk about, um, you know, some of the, the, uh, how you're able to uh, transition, you know, uh, the works of Fannie Lou Hamer from yesteryear into healing through the sound of music. What does that entail and how does that resonate with the people that are exposed and experience the, the, uh, the music? Well, you know, that is a journey that we're on now, how to attract the youth to this um, uh, ongoing suppression of voting and them feeling like what their vote doesn't count because basically every vote counts but especially the midterms like just passed and also we had a commissioner that we ran into because it was a runoff here and she won she had the most votes but because she didn't have 50 percent, they had to do another runoff well lo and behold guess what 
not a lot of people came out and voted for her again. So she lost. So it's not always about the presidential election. It's about your commissioners, your prosecutors, and these people that need to be voted in. So we're trying to, I at least am trying to, along with some other people that are doing this play on about plays about Fannie Lou Hamer as well, to get that, you know, that that this has not stopped, that we're still getting um fighting for the right to not be suppressed and to get our voices heard. And that's our acronym, Voice of the Empowered, which is Vote V O T E. Yeah. So those are some of the initiatives that we've started to make people feel that that when you vote, that's your voice and you're being empowered. You um, um go to vote. There's two things I like to speak to uh, that you both have mentioned. Um, I'll start with the latter, the question uh, that you uh, that you just asked in Missouri, and um, and that is, what are we doing, um, and how does it relate? So, uh, best to give you an idea of the run of the show as to how that looks. Our primary market are the colleges and universities, and. Uh, of course, we know, and in, in, uh, it's our young people, really, that were the driving force of the civil rights movement. The young people were. Yeah. The young people were the driving force okay. of what's so-called the hippie movement, right? Where there was social change that uh, took place in this country. So the young people have always been the tip of the spear of any kind of momentum of change. And of course, uh, when we speak biblically, uh, the word says, and a child shall leave them. Mm. So uh, having said that, the layout of the play, we open what, what we call a pre-show. And a pre-show uh, is a video montage of uh, images of elected officials, social, uh, social and political uh, judges, uh, religious leaders, journalists, and their quotes during the 60s and 70s. And what this does, as you can imagine, on the big screen, it's setting the tone as the audience is filling the room in the first 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So we're priming them. We're getting them ready. Right. Right. Here's, here's what's up. This is what this is about. Right. And then right. to add, and then to add more to it, then we play music that activist protest music that is nostalgic but also timeless. Yes. Of the 60s and 70s, like what's going on? Yes, sir. And you're a winner. And say it loud and black and I'm proud. And so we get them all primed up and ready to go, see. <laughs> and then the show kicks off, you know. And with uh, we get collaboration also in some of our colleges where we get student participation. Yeah. Where, where they put procession with battery lit candles down the aisles singing Fannie Lou Hamer's signature song, This Little Light of Mine. Right. I'm going to you know what let it shine right okay then of course in missouri uh appears out of the clouds bam in the backdrop stairs coming out of heaven and it's fanny lou hamer coming back because she's been oh. called back from heaven okay to deal with the crisis that is going on with the black oh, men and women that's been killed by police by police violence and brutality 
and voter suppression. And she opens up with the battle hymn of the Republic. And it's all, it's a, it's the showstopper because she always gets a thunderous applause at that high note at the end. So that's how the show opens. Hold it. That's just the opening. That's just the opening. Oh my gosh. Okay. I won't go all through the middle, but let okay. me just say the way it closes is so powerful. Which I want to interject before you okay. tell them. All right, okay. Because yeah. I had an idea. It hasn't worked out yet, but this morning God put it on my heart when I was in prayer and meditation that I have got to do this. And the idea came to me as a part of the play that I would get a white male dancer and we would um we would uh, choreograph the, the beating scene that mrs henry because i do the beating scene as well and that i would have a, a male dancer white male dancer that would do the beating in the form of a dance and i do believe this would really touch home to the students white students especially and the black students as well if they could it, it would be almost like being in the metaverse you know because yeah they would experience it, especially the person doing the dance, but they relate to that person on the stage. And I think it would open up a whole nother conversation and we would address police brutality in that way. Well, I, will, I will completely agree with you uh, real quick because it, as I'm envisioning what you all already know, what you do and some projected ideas. So those who are less familiar with Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, obviously a Southern woman in the times of segregation, she was very profound in a couple of things. One, her courage, yes. her courage, her ability to stand up and articulate from the heart, not as a uh, college educated woman at the time that she was kind of doing her thing, yes. but then too, she was able to connect uh, unapologetically with white decision makers, mostly white men, particularly yes. uh, policymakers. And, and so she was able to bring that attention to the Bethune-Cookmans, to the uh, Florida A&M's universities, the historically black colleges and universities in the South, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, as well as our three, our impoverished and sometimes unheard and unlistened to community. Fannie Lou Hamer is absolutely someone that our community and our world, particularly our young people, should pay attention to. Yes. Uh, so we have your Malcolm X's of the world and your Martin Luther King's, those in that space, but there's those folks on the ground who would not take no for an answer. Thank you all for sharing her legacy through music and connecting it through the arts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank there's you. there's another part of that. And um, uh, please forgive me, brother. Uh, give me your, um, your full name again. Tommy, yeah, Tommy Lewis. Tommy Lewis. OK. All right. It's going to be a lot of synergy you and I are going to share. You tell me you're Egyptologist and all. OK. Uh, as you know, the name Jehuti. And we'll get into that later. That's going to be another topic. Yes, sir. Uh, but um, uh, but that's gonna that'll that'll fill a whole broadcast with with series to follow. Okay, we'll have you back. All right. So with that being said, I just wanted to address first. That's the first I've heard of that because she said she came out of meditation with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I just want to uh, speak also uh, on the topic of Fannie Lou Hamer. So she's the one who popularized the saying. 
not originated, but popularized as saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm -hmm. For those that may not know, now you can connect that phrase with Fannie Lou Hamer. And the way that came about was, is her testimony that she gave at the 1964 Democratic National Convention when she appeared before the Credentials Committee and gave her testimony, testimony about how she and nine other students were teenagers, brutally, brutally beaten, some near the edge of their life for simply going to the local courthouse and registering to vote. That's it. Right. And it created shockwaves. This is something black folks always been knowing about, okay, because we've been living with this. But it created such a shockwave that it got the attention of the time president, Lyndon Baines Johnson. And he says, my God, let's get her off the air quick because we don't want it to be streamed across America and get uplinked to the international press to expose the apartheid of America. And so he did. And uh, this uh, this was kept unknown for a long time. But now NPR and other programs, you can find the backstory uh, how LBJ attempted to hijack right. her testimony and right. it backfired on him. Right. And so so, yes, they took her off the live stream because he called an emergency press conference. OK. Yeah. And they're thinking he's going to announce because he's got to now run for election. It's the convention going on right now. OK. They're thinking that he's going to announce his vice president pick. No, he didn't. The press corps arrives and they want to know, well, why in the midst of this testimony, right. so critical, pivotal testimony, are you calling a press conference? And his best answer was to to commemorate the eighth month, the eighth month. How are you going to call an anniversary? Right. Remembrance, commemoration of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Eight months. Yeah. <laughs> so they knew it was bogus right then. And so what they decided to do was is to take the recording of her testimony and they put it on a loop and replayed it the entire week. <laughs> the entire week right. of the convention. Right. And it brought so much embarrassment to LBJ that that was one of the key pivotal uh, points that caused them to sign what we know today as the Voters Rights Act of 1965 into law. Right. And so that's a backstory as to uh, how what was the impetus and the influence behind the push across the goal line of the Voters Rights Bill becoming a law. It was Fannie Lou Hamer's testimony, right. along with a uh, white woman, also um, Viola uh, Luzo, yeah. uh, who was, uh, she was assassinated too uh, uh, when she was supporting mm -hmm. uh, the marches across the Edmund Pettus Bridge coming back oh, from their march. Mm -hmm. And so the KKK uh, killed her and they said, okay, this is, this is enough. Well, why? Because it killed a white woman now. They killed a white woman yeah. along with this. Yeah. So, so, so that is happening. So here's also too, and the, and the closing, the closing of the play, the closing of the play is so powerful that for the 10th year commemoration of 9-11,
when the United Nations did a search for a talent to perform for the global leaders of the world, okay, they chose in Missouri's closing number, Still I Rise. And she performed that at the United Nations New York, accompanied by the New York City Symphony Orchestra. And I want you to know that that recording even uh, uh, would give you chills. You can find it on our website, on YouTube. Just look up her name in the United Nations and you'll see that performance. And, and, and uh, the website is uh, the Fanny, V-T-H-E, Fanny Lou Hamer Story dot com. And of course, uh, the primary website, the nonprofit, healingthroughsoundmusic.org. That's healingthroughsoundmusic.org. And there'll be a link to the Fannie Lou Hamer story where you can find all the links associated with that. And so freedom from slavery is what gave us voting power. Why am I saying that now? Because we formed an alliance with the founding member of the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation before he made his transition, who, who, who single-handedly, okay, traveled to 34 states in America, oh, 43, I'll say it backwards, 43 states in America on his own and, and lobbied for uh, the states at that time for a period of 18 years before it's now become a national holiday he did wow. it himself over an 18-year period. Bless his heart, bless his soul. That's the Reverend Doctor, medical doctor, Ronald Myers, okay? And Reverend Doctor Ronald Myers had the strength, the fortitude, the vision, the inspiration, the drive, and the determination to get the states, those 43 states, to either pass legislation making Juneteenth either a a, a uh, state holiday or a state day of observance. And that was the behind the scenes work that was done before, you know, you see suddenly now the passage take place. Right. Uh, let was, me, go ahead. Let me cut in just a little bit, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to, to ask another question because I really yeah. want to love Juneteenth but I really want to get back to you all's story as well. I know that's a part of it. And in yes. Missouri, because as I listen to you all, it is clear that there's almost a, there was almost a calling on your life to bring together your musical gift and all of that to tell this story of Fannie Lou Hamer. But talk to me, uh, Missouri, a, more, a little bit more about that and why that's such why she's such an iconic figure for this moment in time as we look at some apathy that we see existing within communities of color where people have almost just given up, you know, belief that uh, other than the presidential election that we can have any impact. Can you talk about that? Did you see that at the beginning or how did you find yourself into you this? You know, it is, it is it's a funny story and it's like, like everything, nothing is a mistake or nothing is a coincidence. When I lived in New York in the 1980s and 90s, I used to go to um, a, a church that had a coffee house group every a Monday night. And the person that led that group's name was Matt Jones. Nick. And at the time, I didn't know what Snick was here. I'm young, you know, 
and um, sort of young and dumb, kind of with the to the movement because it was a little bit before me, not much, but a little bit. So Matt Jones was in SNCC and he started talking to me about Fannie Lou Hamer. And I would sing at this coffee house every Monday night. And one of the songs that I sang was the battle hymn. And that is the opening song of the Fannie Lou Hamer story. And Matt used to tell me stories about Mrs. Hamer and what they did to her, how they treated her. It was the most amazing thing. So I could transition um, after seeing her on Like It Is because I became a part of the coffee house after I saw her. So I was curious, you know, when Matt told me, oh yeah, we meet, we've met Fannie Lou Hamer and told me all these stories. And I, my singing was just natural because I had been doing that. And I thought I was Diana Ross and I wanted to be a Broadway star. And right. I went on all these auditions and right. I had these songs in my, you know, my treasure right. chest. Right. And also one day I was in the car going to unemployment. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I got back in the car cause they denied me and it was raining. And I'll never forget. I was in this old jalopy beat up car. And I turned the radio on and Still I Rise came on the radio. And I said, oh, my God. And I started boohooing. That's the song that I put at the end of my play. And it's almost like it came together. So Matt told me one of Mrs. Hamer's songs was uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain, or I read it, right? Go Tell It on the Mountain. So okay, how can I put a Christmas song? Because I was already into the play now writing it. And Spirit said to me, go tell it on the mountain that voter's registration is here. Mm. Yeah. Go tell it on the mountain that freedom fighters are here. And it was a natural inclination for me to, because I am a poet as well, to write and, and the freedom to say it the way God gives it to you. And so those sayings that, you know, because that's what it was. Voters registration, the fight, you know. <clears throat> so <clears throat> these songs came to me in that manner. It's almost like a blessing that, that God just opened up the door and said, here it is. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> and I want to say <clears throat> at the end of the play, we've been encouraging students to register to vote. So we may have the NAACP there, or we may have the League of Women Voters there to register students to vote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So in the way it's, I mean, it's changed. I don't want to say nothing's changed, but a lot has remained the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing, now, sister. Thank you you for sharing. can't give a person a glass of water <laughs> standing in line in Florida. Right. Okay. You okay, can go to jail. Crazy. Which is offensive. Right. Yes. It's yeah. an offense. And yeah. so, you know, um, that's why that's why we we're doing this eric because and tommy because yes things have changed but a lot has stayed the same stayed the same well tommy i can see y'all's enthusiasm because it's hard to even get a question in because we're listening we're we're, we're we're thrilled by what you're saying uh but there's so much on this time topic to to cover tommy if you got a question and then i want to ask a question to, to both yeah. of you yeah, uh, no, Eric, go go ahead and uh, allow sister to, you know, right. save her voice. Go ahead and sip right. some water. This is a right. conversation. Right. 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 So, uh, so here's my question to, yeah. the, to the both of you. It is obvious to me that both of y'all are powerhouses and that God has brought y'all together for a purpose. Amen. Uh, 
Did you all see this at the beginning of your coming together? And how have you successfully navigated working together on this? Because that's hard. And I'll tell you what, whenever I talk to my, my brother friends, that some of them might complain about the challenging wives that they have, I say, brother, you were blessed by God. Because if you are, if you have any kind of leadership, you got to have a partner that has as much or more than what you have. And if you can harness those two, if you can sort of harness those two, you know, uh, and put them together, then you have something amazing. Talk to us just a little bit about that. Did you all see this from the beginning? And how are you all navigating your individual power? Well, I will, I actually know I didn't see it, but because we met online. Okay. And uh, we met on match.com. Okay. Okay. So I'll let him tell this part. Uh, well, actually, actually, she saw it before no. I saw it. I mean, <laughs> okay. And that's normally how it is. Isn't it? The women right. pick you up. Say, okay. Man. All right. Now we, we just applaud in their game. We just applaud in the game. <laughs> I'm going to take the in there. So here's so so here's how it went down. Um, so match.com, I had posted uh, a profile on match.com, and it, I did it really out of a fluke because I had just uh, ended a relationship. I was in Cincinnati, and I was I had left Cincinnati, <laughs> and it wasn't it was less than six months, and I put a very how should I say? Discouraging. Uh, a very stringent, <laughs> yeah. very stringent uh, profile that I thought, okay, if somebody responds to this, then it's, I mean, you know. Game and fought through some stuff to get here. Right. I, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the kind of profile that would just quickly weed away all the nonsense. That kind of profile. Right. Okay. And um, less than a week, uh, I get this response and it's <laughs> and i'm thinking less than a week <laughs> it's in missouri and we're on the phone literally night and day mm. uh and uh in less than a month i now i'm i'm in charlotte north carolina i'm at my brother's in transition because i just left uh cincinnati she's all the way across on the on the west coast in, in Hollywood, California. Okay. <laughs> we are as far apart as two people can be in America. <laughs> All right. And less than a month, I find myself booking a flight, okay, and and a room for 30 days so that we can get acquainted. All right. In Los Angeles. <laughs> so okay. um, but during that process, uh at the time that we were talking, this all happened. The decision making for me to go out there to see her, she says to me, uh, jokingly, she said it, uh, but later she told me, I, and I just actually found this out in the past few years. She says, No, I really wasn't joking. <laughs> she says, uh, She asked me to manage her. And then I she started know this guy. And then she started <laughs> laughing after you know after we had been talking for a while. She says, "Wait a minute." She says, "Would you manage me?" Mm-hmm. And then she started laughing, right? Because I was sharing with her my background is in business, but not in entertainment business, right? And also in promoting and advertising and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
so anyway, so that is, I hope, answer and addresses the question as to when we discovered it. And of course, oh, he left this part out. We got married three months later. <laughs> oh, that, that's beats my wife and I. Uh, I asked her to marry me six weeks after meeting her, and we got married six months. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I had been hunting for a little while. So, uh, but you were ready. That is powerful. And I'll tell you that it looks beautiful what you all are able to do together. And the fact that you are respectfully looking to each other because each of you knows your own power. You know, yeah. and so you check in every once. I see y'all just check in, you know, every once. Where I hear y'all kind of coaching each other a little bit too. I love all of that, and we are all blessed because of the union that you have put together. I love your smiles there. I love your depth and your wisdom. And our job is to do everything we can to make sure that the most people in the world see what you're doing, because I think it's a powerful combination. Isn't that right, Tommy? That, that is absolutely right, Eric. A couple of things that I see as well. Obviously, well, to me, the love that you all have for one another is leaping out of the screen. It's leaping. <laughs> it is landing. Y'all look good together. Y'all match. Yeah. I tell people, oh! Good. That's good. Love is good. It is leaping. And so, not only am I experiencing love and and I'm gonna. I can't wait to run to my wife as well. Because <laughs> hey, I got the mojo too. The other thing that I, I sense, as Eric said, with you all checking in with one another, I can envision just like many loving marriages that we have some disagreements. We do, right? And I can see that with your disagreements, I can assume there's growth at the end of those disagreements. Always. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got it. Always. Yeah, wow. so it's not just poking and fighting, whatever. It is yes. It is really leveraging, as Eric said, one another's power, and That's you right. continue to heighten and grow and get in alignment and atonement with the most high. The I, most high. I, I have to say that I really have a wonderful husband because he is not afraid to apologize. Like yesterday. That's right. It's, it's current. This current stuff. Breaking news. Another like yesterday. When I came home from my pedicure, I made a mistake and opened up the um, hood on the trunk on the car. And I didn't, I had never done it before in three years, right. never done it. And so when I got out, my feet were wet. I said, Oh God, I, the, the, you know, I had to try to put it down and I couldn't put it down. So when I got home, he said, it looks like the hood is up. And so he went and he put it down. He's like, why didn't you put it down? But anyway, yeah. I said, look, my toes were wet. <laughs> right. And so anyway, he said, look, I don't know how that I don't know how that got into such a big argument because I was like, if you don't leave me alone. <laughs> my toes are wet. <laughs> I, can't push, I can't push the hood down because my toes are wet. I'm going to mess up my toes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's a major issue. She just got a pedicure. Yep. She was trying to get into the house on clouds. Yeah. Yes. She didn't want to take no extra steps. I'm trying to look beautiful up in here, and you right. want me to mess up my toes. Right. You cannot right. afford any extra pebbles to have a shot at them toes. <laughs> he didn't you know. understand. It was a cultural misstep. 
and even laughing that laughing now that's the rhythm of cadence of the soul right yes. that's the rhythm right it, it, because you know i'm going to speak from a man's perspective and obviously we are uh all of us the men folk are we're 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 young at heart <laughs> yeah we're young at heart it's my wife calls it juvenile essence right that we we men see things differently yes and so we can't we got to run in like why couldn't you put the whole the, you know the hood down your nails your toes really <laughs> but then we learn right. that we benefit from your self-care mm. and self-love mm. right the woman caring for herself she would then that love would permeate mm. and get into that man Mm, and yes. so that man will say, yeah, I'll manage you. Absolutely. Because right. I feel the energy and love, although it's been a short period of time in our life, in the longer arc of life, it's already been determined and destined. I'm so and, blessed to see you all. And Brother Tommy, real quick, I just want to send out props to my girl, Monique, because she loves and respects that black man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. And we just saw a movie, and this sister told on herself, Wendy, her movie. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. And how her husband really loved her right. as well. Right. And how it turned out the exact opposite. Yeah. Because yeah. Wendy didn't, didn't have the same appreciation right. for Kevin as Monique, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, as yeah. Monique has for Sydney. Right. And it is beautiful to watch them. I love that. I love that. Let me ask you all one other question. So, so, Juhuji, uh, I want you to give us. I know there are many stories, but is there one that you could share with us when you're watching your wife do her thing that you were so proud and grateful that you were there to support that? Well, that's all the time. Mm -hmm. That's all the time. He's there all the time. Um, is there any? I've been in. I've been in. I've, I've been in sales. Uh, by, by the way, uh, here's something I want to and remind me uh, to address this because uh, it's going to reconcile your opening of introducing us to the Art Council. <clears throat> There's three generations of veterans in my family. Mm. I was in the Air Force. My son's Air Force. My father is another story about uh, social injustice. Mm. Uh, social political injustice. He was in the army and he was killed in Vietnam on a highly suspicious conditions. Okay. Mm. Putting that aside now. Right. So, and I grew up in Mississippi where Fannie Lou Hamer was from. Mm -hmm. Didn't know who she was till I was three. She introduced me. And it, it shows how by design, our history uh, was not taught to us except through word of mouth. That's the only way you're going to get it until now, of course, with the advent of the Internet over the past decade or so. Uh, you know, now there's no excuse because, you know, information is so readily available. But I can't tell you um, uh, how many times, countless times, even when she performs today after so many times that I've seen her perform that um, I am 
emotionally taken over and tears began to flow wow. because of the power of the message and the messenger. Mm. So mm. much so, so much so that I don't know how long ago was it? Five, um, has it been uh, maybe at the three year mark into it? <clears throat> I began, I started a contest with the colleges and universities um, to get video footage uh, with the idea that, you mm. know what, I need to chronicle her story right. in a documentary. Right. Mm. Because over the past 21 years now, she's been uh, bringing Fannie Lou Hamer back to life on stage. Mm. That's a story by itself. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so now we're having a conversation about uh, the docudrama miniseries entitled okay. Missouri Moyo and Baye Becoming Fannie Lou Hamer. Mm. All his idea. Right. And by the way, he would before I do a show, he we get the script. Jehudi's a wonderful director. You know, he's not been trained that way, but he's such a good director. And when he gets a hold of me, I tell you the juice that he puts in me, uh, he has such incredible perspectives yeah. on what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And so um a lot of him is on the stage as well when I'm there because he does help me a lot with my script. Woo! I'm going to tell you, we need to just get this excerpt right here because without me even asking you, Missouri, you went right back into let me pay the compliment back. Uh, but I think that people need to see uh, what it looks like when people love each other and they're bringing 100% of themselves to that uh, that relationship in a way that takes one and one and adds up to more than two. Yeah. And uh, I think that what you all are doing that we just uh, got a glimpse of it from the beginning, but as we hear you talk more, we are seeing uh, the true power of God bringing you two together and the synergy that is happening as a result of that is a gift uh, to the rest of the world. And uh, like I say, our responsibility then is to try to introduce you all to help other folks gain uh, access to, to what you're doing. Uh, my daughter, I'll give you a sidebar, Tommy, and then I want you to jump in. So my daughter uh, just came <coughs> yesterday and she said, Daddy, she says, uh, I was doing a worship thing and it turned into a worship party. And she said the people wouldn't let us stop. The young people wouldn't let us stop. Half of them never go to church. They strictly in the clubs. Wow. But they were here at this worship event that went from the, the, the programmed singing to singing those things over to freestyling. And she was trying to understand what had occurred. And what I said to her, I said, Jillian, I said, people are thirsty for authentic worship. Oh, amen. in other words, when you create something that is not about you, you they can see that you've made room for the spirit of God. Once it's not about you and you've made room for the spirit of God, you become the background music to the conversation that they're having with God. Mm. So the worship that they're doing is not you're just helping to facilitate that. But you opened up a vein to them to be talking directly to God and God to them. That is what I see happening with you all. 
Well, that I, call, as you begin to work together in the way that you do, you're opening up a vein that people can get the wisdom and the insight that we need to care about voting. Well, I want to say this about Jehudi's character, a light deformian, which is his dream and his baby. And when he's there, uh, he is in heaven. And so that is now um, where we're trying to get him to jump off into his to do his thing. And I know you were connecting with him the other day and talking about it. So that too is something that he's now moving forward to and working with. And the kids love him. Right. You know, oh, I can see it. Right, right. You know, when he um when we are out and they've seen him before and um in the schools when he was doing his mentor. So that's his baby. And I just wanted to throw light on that, um, his light to form me and, and um the work that he's doing um, through Shatat Netter, he's connecting that the dots with Shatat Netter and his light to form a character, which I'm I'm just sitting back. I'm waiting to see um some uh, Marvel or somebody come pick him up. So I'm yes. just sitting in the cut, waiting in the cut. You know? And if Marvel doesn't get there fast enough, then we can try to accelerate it. See, we are now, we have all the tools we need. Amen. We Amen. Everything we need. It's another take, highway. Come on now, take full benefit. Tommy? Yeah, yeah it's another highway. And appreciate both of you. Uh, as our time is, is, is coming to a close, just this time, there will be another time. What, what's next as we come into the next year? Where can we find you? What can we be looking for? as we go into the year of 2023. Well, if you bring me to Cincinnati, you can find me there. <laughs> I've got that down on my list yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, there's some people I'm gonna have some conversations with. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a few names uh, that you can collaborate with. Uh, Maybe there. Lydia. I think Lydia is still ahead of the- um, Juneteenth. Juneteenth. And Juneteenth. of course, I don't yeah. know if you know about Dr. Kim Yamoyo, who is my heart. Oh. Yeah, I'm a part of the celebration of Cincinnati. I just left their um, 30th anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's uh, Mama Mama Moyo. Uh, yes. I'm her lead facilitator for her uh, Sankofa Academy uh, oh, that she had brought from Chicago to Cincinnati, yeah. and and her there daughter's sons. Yeah, there's there's a connection right there. Yeah. So let me quickly say this because I, I gather we're uh, coming to the close of the broadcast here. So. Um, Coming up in January, Missouri has the honor to perform the opening uh, with her of her play, The Battle Hymn of the Republic, as a precursor to the keynote address of uh, Representative Benny Thompson, as you know, the chairman of the January 6th committee for the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. dinner in Annapolis, Maryland. It's their largest annual event in Maryland. That's January 13th. She'll be there for that. But prior to that, we'll be in Baltimore, Hilton Convention uh, of the uh, Bryant Leadership Group, in which she'll be performing excerpts of her, of her play. And this will be the 6th and 7th of January. And this will be in downtown Baltimore, Hilton, in which the New governor of of uh, Maryland, black governor West West Moore. Okay, will be the keynote, and Missouri will be performing before about fifty to sixty colleges are expected in order to uh, promote uh, the message of Fannie Lou Hamer. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I 
want to quickly also state, I said I want to bring it back full circle, is that we have an idea of collaboration, uh, Eric, and that is our I'll Be Home for Christmas concert, which will, which we're looking at here at the Dr. Phillips Center. And it's about uh, veterans coming home, okay, mm. uh, meeting their families for the first time on stage, and it will be star-studded. Missouri will be inviting all her star friends to come and join her on the stage and singing because she's got this fabulous Christmas CD, this fabulous Christmas album you guys have got to hear. Yes. I'm trying to play an excerpt right now. Yes. Of her Christmas CD. Um, but um, anyway, um, so that will be an opportunity for the Arts Council as a, as a Brigadier General uh, for collaboration of healing through the sound of music to bring the uh and honor our veterans coming back home Woo! connecting right. to their right. families right as a huge uh, huge, just huge, like, huge 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 i love it i love that in like any annual telethon that's what this will be that we're Ooh, that's the idea yeah. i just need uh, to put the right uh, players uh, in place uh, i've been uh, looking uh, for the right players to yeah. bring to fruition yes sir that sounds like the one that sounds like the one and you know i will be honored to make that connection on that it's nice when you bring something to the table because then that gives us some momentum good people ought to know each other and be coming together to make a difference and so we want to thank both of you for uh, joining us today and blowing through an hour uh, like it was nothing. Uh, we'll have you back together. We may have you back separately as well. But we want to thank our community for joining us again today. For those that are with us today, for those that see this tape, uh, you certainly witnessed something fantastic uh, as we uh, celebrate the life of Fannie Lou Hamer and what she did for this nation, uh, for our community around the right to vote. We want to encourage young people to vote. Uh, I don't care who, who you vote for, vote. Uh, you've got to understand and take advantage of your power. And uh, Tommy, thank you for being my friend and partner. And we'll see you all next week for another uh, fantastic diversity conversations. Take care of each other. Take care. Bye now. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Diversity Conversations. Visit us on LinkedIn, YouTube, and of course, Facebook. We will see you at the next conversation.